The Talking Points with the Training Center starts now. All right, welcome to episode two of the Talking Points with the Training Center. I'm Ryan Ozella, joined by owners of Dub Baseball and lead uh, coach in the Training Center, Eric Waggle, uh, and then Dan Kabuling, owner of ID3 Training and lead strength and movement conditioner at the Training Center. Uh, the two work together to develop the pitchers in the Training Center and the Dub program with amazing success over the past two years. Uh, and we're going to talk to them about some of those points uh, and how they've gone about doing those types of things. So, Eric, why don't we start with you? Uh, the biggest thing that we really do and have in the training center uh, between Dan and I is just a really cohesive approach in the system. Uh, we have a lot of different factors that we integrate into what we're doing, uh, strength, movement, bullpens, arm care, um, and we're going to kind of go through all those things right now. But it's just a system. It, it, it's not a one-on-one -on -one lesson that's going to fix you. It's not this mechanical adjustment that's going to fix you. It's not this one weight lift that Dan gives you that's going to fix you. It's being in a long-term system that's going to develop you the right way and give you kind of science-based approach to motor learning and skill development. Yeah, so the, the, yeah the other side is um, the uh, cohesiveness also comes from, from a coaching standpoint. So Eric and I are have a ton of conversations about players, about mechanics, about drills, about whatever it may be, so that we are uh, cohesive in our approach to uh, working with these athletes, where it's not like, oh, Dan told me this, and then Eric told me to do this, and this coach told me to do that. Uh, I think that cohesiveness also comes from us. Um, and it, it starts with, like, we genuinely want every pitcher to reach their full potential, to throw really, really hard, to stay healthy throughout their, their entire career, um, and to dominate. I think, I think the a part like that I've learned over the probably the past few years is um, I got way too focused in just velo development and seeing numbers go up, which was great. But then I started running into guys that weren't either the velo wasn't showing up on the mound or they just weren't good pitchers. Uh, and ultimately, at the end of the day, like I was selling those players short uh, on on what they truly wanted was I want to be a better pitcher. I don't I don't want to just so really really hard, which is a really important. Uh, but uh, learning that gave me the the mindset of okay, all right. I either are going to have to teach myself some of the other stuff that will break down a little bit further down or you partner and you find other coaches who, who are just as passionate about uh, player development as you are. And I think that's why Eric and I work so well together. And, and that system's really kind of expanded quite a bit. You know, we're making a lot of inroads with local high school coaches. Um, we've been able to kind of um, help them out and, and kind of show them what we're doing with pitchers and really get their attention. Uh, a couple of good examples locally. Um, Every player that trained in the training center this winter, we typed a report and sent it to their high school coach as far as like, this is what they've been doing. This is where they're at. This is how many pitches they've been throwing. This is their velocity. This is what we see. So each high school, local high school coach got a report on all the athletes that we had in the training center. And then also something else we did was we went to a few high schools and we trained their staff and their pitchers on arm care protocols. And this, you know, this is how you use some of this newer uh, technology and equipment to help with your arm care. And, and this is how you... Uh, facilitate that in a team environment. So um, we're, we've been able to expand our wings and really kind of bring the high school coaches now into this fold. And, and uh, we also get out to a ton of high school games. So we're able to see what we do in the training center happen on the field and, and, um, and getting that side of the world um, is really, really important. Awesome. So let's go over and let's talk about one of these points here that we want to talk about today. And that's really just the strength and the movement. Um, obviously, that's a key feature that we need in all of our players for not only just their pitching, but for hitting, for defense, for all those types of things. So uh, why don't you guys cover a little bit of what you think of our strength and movement and how we kind of individualize that? 
Yeah, I'd say the uh, the reason we start here is the, the average client age that we work with is pretty much like seventh grade uh, and up. Um, and the reason it's in that age is just obviously that's the, the primary athlete that Dub attracts and the players they work with. Um, and that's why we start with strength and movement. Uh, it's a huge area I think that gets missed out on and it's kind of a misnomer um, because like players, they think, oh, I'm my mechanics, I need to get on the mound, I need to do bullpens, which those are important, but there's so many uh, issues that arise from just either I don't know how to move my body properly or I don't have the strength to do that the right way. Uh, and we see it on, well, you know, the first edge is just performance, uh, whether that's command, throwing strikes, breaking balls, whatever it may be. Um, and then injury injuries, I mean, like our injury rate currently right now is floating like 50%, like 50% of baseball players will have an arm injury. Uh, so flip a coin and you probably will get hurt. Um, and especially at those younger ages uh, and, a, you know, a, a big focus for us. So um, from a strength and movement standpoint, that, that's where we start. We'll start with uh, movement technique, make sure we know how to move our body properly. Uh, we'll then dive into uh, relative strength. So can I do a bodyweight pushup? Can I do a bodyweight squat? Um, can I do all of these foundational movements uh, and can I do them correctly? Uh, and then we'll individualize based off of physical assessment uh, to make sure those movements are are the right fit for their body. Because there's there's certain exercises, certain movements that some kids just aren't going to be capable of. And we see that rip, that that affects everything up the chain where there might be things on the mound that uh, a pitcher in the big leagues does, but your body's just not meant to do that. Um, we can get the same outcome, throw hard and throw strikes, but we're just going to do it in a different way. Um, I think uh, the, the injury history is another big component in the strength and movement side because it tells us if there's anything that has kind of been corrupted. That's a, a term I've been hearing uh, a lot more is if you've been injured in some way or your arm always gets sore or your back or your hip or whatever it may be, uh, that's going to influence and change the way that we move. And, and a lot of times, especially with uh, Eric being their coach, uh, us as all baseball players, uh, if coach asks you how you're feeling, the answer is always, I feel good. I feel good. Uh, and very rarely is it, oh, you know, my, my elbow has been bugging me or my, my shoulder has been bugging me. And so over the course of these past few years, uh, that has changed because uh, of the level of communication that Eric and I have. Um, but I think that's a, another piece of me being a strength and movement coach is athletes are going to be more uh, prone to talk to me about that. And then that can give us way more insight and individualize their arm care versus just slapping, uh, you know, a band routine or a weighted ball routine or whatever it may be that you have all your players do. Um, you know, there's certain things that are, are great for one player and can be the worst thing for the other. Um, I think the, the other thing, like in the gym, uh, we have kind of this spectrum where it starts with okay, movement, uh, technique, all that. And then the other end of the spectrum is going to be just pure like competition. Can I compete as a baseball player? And so we try and blend as much as we can so we're not wasting any time. We're in the weight room. We're still going to do throwing drills. We're still going to do um, weighted ball work in a sense. Uh, and it, the focus is proper mechanics and proper movement. Um, and, and then we use that as a way to make sure, hey, you're always they want that throwing component pitchers want to throw uh and then we we remind them when when that piece of your your pitching mechanics has fallen apart or something's bugging you like hey these exercises in the weight room are going to really really help you uh i think that's a probably a big difference um then you'd see just an average gym is is we don't just lift we don't just stretch we don't just do arm care uh we do everything we try and attack as many variables as possible uh, and then individualize to them um, based off of what we see on the table in a physical assessment, what Eric sees in games, 
um, what what their track history has been as as an athlete, just because a lot of the athletes that are going through this system have been with Eric for a very long time. Uh, and so all of that information is, is definitely utilized uh, in, in the weight room. Yeah, what's interesting, kind of what you mentioned is, uh, you know, when I first started, there was days where I would see guys on the mound throwing their bullpens with other guys uh, doing their arm care work while other guys were doing squats and deadlifts and things like that. So it was always interesting to me to see how all of that was moving in, in such uh, cohesion, in such like a fluidity. There wasn't ever a situation where I walked in and was like, man, this is really out of control or anything. So that's one of the things I think has been really good is seeing all of that kind of working together at the same time. Uh, Eric, anything you want to add to that before we move on to our next point? No, not really. I mean, Dan, that's Dan's world, and, and we do work together on that quite a bit. And I think I think Dan touched on it a few times that there's a lot of communication between us because what I see on the field might be really, really different than what he sees in the gym. And and I'll tell him that, be like, yeah, like I know you, I know you guys are working on this, but he certainly isn't doing that on the field. And then we're able to kind of figure out why. You know, he'll talk to the player, I'll talk to the player, we'll talk to each other, and just try to hammer out what exactly is going on. And and a lot of times we have to change our plan of attack, and we do it together, and and we kind of. Um, attack each situation a little bit differently uh, based on that communication. Awesome. So I, as we're talking about this one today, we're obviously working about developing pitchers in the training center. So one of the biggest ones we have to worry about is our arm care. Um, obviously, it's not just the pitchers that we work on with arm care, but why don't we go over a little bit of what our system looks like and uh, why we utilize arm care and why it's so important. I mean, it's, it's again, it's a system. You know, it's a system that we've developed that we continue to kind of tweak to get better. We're doing a great job with pitchers um, and arm care. You know, uh, most pitchers in the big leagues are going to get hurt at some point in time, like Dan said. I think there's over a billion dollars a year on the DL. Um, so we really have to kind of pay attention a lot because it, we can have the most talented pitcher in the world. If he's not healthy pitching on the mound, he's not going to help his high school and he's not going to get recruited. Um, so arm care is definitely a priority number one for us, but we attack it in a very – I guess, non-traditional way, or, or, or a lot of people think that arm care is icing their arms and not throwing 100 pitches. And, and we try to really break down those, uh, those misnomers, and, and we've developed a system that really um, highlights the new school and the science-based ways to take care of the arm. So Dan can kind of talk about some of the warm-up protocols that we use, and, and I'll touch on some of the on-ramping stuff as well. Yeah, so the, the warm-up protocols, and you're going to keep hearing me say this, and it's kind of beating a dead horse, but uh, we try and individualize as much as possible. So there's there's certain athletes that uh, need to stretch or uh, prepare their arm and body uh, a specific way to throw, and there's some guys who need to do more activation and tissue work and, uh, you know, um, use different exercises to get warm. So I think individualizing and then a big thing you're going to hear is we educate the athletes on how to do it because uh, there's times where I'm like, there's certain players I've never seen pitch in games and there's certain guys that Eric just misses at the gym. So if, if we don't see them and we don't, if they become reliant upon us to, to do all this stuff um, and we don't communicate how important it is, or um, they just do that one exercise that they think is good for them. Uh, I think that that's a big, a big focus for us is just, Hey, here are the tools. Here's why it's going to help you. And then here, we're going to show you your numbers get better and your arm feel better. Um, so I think the, the warm-up protocol is, is an area that uh, we might spend a little too much time on, but it's probably a good thing for, for the pitchers. And I'll kind of touch on real quick our on-ramping and, and why that's so important to, to arm care. 70% uh, of, of arm injuries in MLB happen in the first two months of the season. So it's not an overuse issue. I think everyone wants to beat the overuse thing as, as, as a dead horse. Oh, he threw too many innings. He threw 100 pitches. Those things can be important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And it's, it's probably not even the most important factor in taking care of arms. 
getting arms prepared for the stress that they're going to face is the most important thing. So we have some really kind of structured and I mean, it takes a long time to on-ramp, you know, our high school pitchers, for example, they started on-ramping in late November. We ended our fall season uh, mid-October, you know, we gave them three, four weeks off and then we started on-ramping them in mid to late November, right around Thanksgiving for their high school season. And it starts slow. It's very methodical and they kind of ramp up into some different, you know, mound phases and developmental phase. And then when they get into a velocity phase so we can build up resiliency. And I think that's why not only have we had huge jumps in velocities with our players, but our players have been healthy. We've had very few arm injuries. There, there's nothing you can do to prevent all arm injuries. That's just, you know, it's part of the nature of the beast. But um, the way we on-ramp our pitchers and the way we prepare them for games is a really, really important part of what we do. I mean, they, they, again, they start with, with slow throwing. We add stress and stimulus as they go, and they just really are able to build you up that arm resiliency and get super strong going into their high school seasons and college seasons. The, the last thing I'll add is, like, this arm care protocol, arm care system, isn't just doing bands. It's 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 nope. everything. It's not just going and doing weighted balls. It's not just doing wrist weights or shoulder tube or whatever. That one tool that you keep in your bag and you use before games. It's everything. It's it's nutrition. It's diet. It's uh, it's sleep. Uh, it's hydration. Uh, and I think the most powerful tool in this system is communication. As as Eric will see a guy in game and his velo drops or his command is falling apart or. Some, something just looks off. Like as, as you over time, you can just tell when guys aren't hundred percent and that gets communicated back to me. And then in a non-game environment, a non-threatening uh, uh, environment, I can say, Hey, like, how's your body feeling? How's your arm feeling? Uh, and that can, um, that, that communication is what allows us to, and I use this analogy a lot. Um, injuries can be either like little embers and we can stamp them out really easily, or most likely players keep their mouth shut and they turn into wildfires and then once it's a wildfire you can't do anything other than shut it down uh, and we want to try and keep as many guys developing versus recovering and rehabbing and kind of the last part of that arm care phase that we have is our recovery protocols so we're very uh, i mean if you're in the world and you know some of the science that's out there it's not new school or different at all but for the most part people don't necessarily educate themselves on these issues but uh, most people think recovery means slapping some arm on their arm uh, slapping their, some ice on their arm and going for a run. And it's just, you know, study after study says that that's not effective for recovery and it actually could hurt recovery. So uh, our guys are on a different kind of recovery protocol. Um, after they, after they, we've introduced a lot of stress to them, they do a ton of soft tissue work. We have massage balls and massage guns uh, in the training center that we use on them. Uh, they do micro electronic stimulation, which, you know, produces positive blood flow to the area, which helps regenerate and remap the muscles and they move. Um, after our guys throw, the worst thing they can do if they've had stress and, and a little damage to their arm is just to sit, just, just to keep that arm stagnant. The, the tissue and the fiber is going to remap themselves the wrong way. So our guys, the day after they throw, uh, are doing wrist weights. They're doing shoulder tubes. Um, they're doing uh, different core protocols that we have them uh, mapped into, and they're able to kind of go through the, these things and, and make sure that the, the tissue is remapped. Right away and getting positive blood, which will help them recover much better. Awesome. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of the success with your guys' arm care program. Obviously, guys have gotten better with their arms and stronger. Uh, but I think, like you mentioned, the, the, the ability to be out there and be healthy is a huge one for everything for this. So uh, next point that we want to talk about is pitch design. Obviously, this is an area where um, some of our technology is really important and helpful for this. So, um, Eric, why don't you kind of take the lead on what you think about with the pitch design and where we kind of go from there? 
Yeah, I think this is a big differentiator for us. We do we do a lot of things different in the training center, but uh, you know our our pitchers being on the Rapisodo and, and having radar guns as feedback is, is a huge part of what we do in the training center. Um, you know, we have a pitching Rapisodo. Uh, we've we've passed all the certifications to kind of become you know, masters of it, and uh, we're really using it as an actionable tool in our training center to make guys better. Um, it gives the it gives us objective data, so it's not only uh, velocity, but it's spin rate, it's vertical break, horizontal break. Uh, it's spin direction. So now that we have a real firm understanding of it and we've used it for, oh geez, probably about a year and a half now, um, we're able to show pitchers data on what their pitches are doing. So it's not just the eye test. It's not just like, oh, that looked like a good pitch. Uh, we can show pitchers what a good pitch looks like. Um, we can show them what we want their curveball to look like. We can show uh, their axis on a vertical and a horizontal break and be like, okay, you think you're throwing a slider, but look at Look what the Rapsodo says. You're not. You're throwing a slurve. All right, this is what a true slider looks like. Um, so it's really uh, fostered a ton of engagement on the player's point of view and given them hard data to kind of go off of so they can, we can kind of rework their, their pitch arsenal and, and, um, and help them develop a better pitch, um, pitch design uh, features in their, in their arsenal. And we see the results on the field. I mean, our guys are doing really well. I think uh, – the guys, the, the high school players that did the pitching class last year, it was something like we were 80 and, and 30 wins and losses. We had like a 2-2 ERA, uh, and every single one of those pitchers finished the year on the mound um, without getting hurt. So uh, we've had some pretty impressive results with all this stuff. Yeah, I think the, the only thing I'll add for, for this component is, is like this is where I step back and I don't do anything because <laughs> it's just outside of my expertise. Uh, I understand Rapsodo. I can communicate it to the player. But I couldn't dive in as much as as Eric can and say, all right, this is exactly what's going on. Um, and we started having conversations about different things that we might be seeing in the weight room or physical assessment that might be affecting these things. Uh, but there's really an area that I, I stay out of. And um, the part I do appreciate about it is it holds us accountable as coaches. The, the tech will will show the player, this is where you're at. This is where we need to get to. Uh, and then here's the plan, and then it holds us accountable. It, it also holds the players accountable um, if, if they're not doing the things we're asking them to do because uh, we do see the players in the gym probably more than your average pitching coach, high school coach, whatever you know, whatever coach that you're working with just because of the of, of them working between both of us and, and switching from team to gym. Um, but it holds, it holds everybody accountable too. Is this stuff actually working? And something else that we're doing as well is we're using the tech and the, the information available outside of our facility. Uh, kind of a cool example that we had this winter was I was working with a pretty talented young man and we were struggling. I knew what I wanted his curveball to look like. He, he knew what his curveball he's always thrown has looked like. And there was a disconnect there and I was having trouble bridging that gap with him. And so what I did is I, I took his Rapsodo numbers and I inputted them into fan graphs and I tried to find comparable MLB pitchers. And I found, uh, one pitcher, you know, it happened to be Garrett Cole, that had his similar arm slot. He had a real similar movement profile on his fastball. And you know, and then I started looking on Fangrass at his breaking pitches. And, and it really was the curveball I was trying to get this kid to understand. So I, I you know, took screenshots and, and, and pulled up the website with them. And I showed him all that stuff. And he just saw his face light up. Um, so we were able to kind of take some of those features that are online that a lot of people don't even know about. And then use it to give the, the kids real good visuals and comparisons. And, and uh, we've made some big strides with him since then on that particular pitch, just because he was able to see a big leaguer and what, what his what his stuff looked like. That's awesome. Yeah, and I know we've done some internal conversations where we've had some learning about this Rapsodo stuff. And 
uh, some of the technology and how you guys have been applying it. And I know from my point of view, it's been really helpful because uh, coming from that scouting view, like you said, Eric, you have that idea as to what you expect it should look like, what are, what are you comparing it to when you see it against everybody else. Um, but being able to take that data and be able to showcase like this is a lot more consistent and showcases also um, with better feedback for the players to showcase what they should learn and what they can do with it uh, compared to just the, the eye test like we were talking about earlier. So I love that. That's great. Um, going to our next point here, we got the annual throwing program. So obviously we got our warm-ups uh, protocols or recovery protocols. Why don't you guys kind of go over what our throwing program looks like for the entire year? Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, okay. uh, I'd say the, the first place we'll start is um, getting them up to speed with all the different drills that we'll use. Uh, we rely pretty heavily on uh, different driveline protocols. So uh, weight of balls, plow care throws, um, and then we really try and find the, the foundational drills uh, that will help uh, kind of bridge the gap in getting into okay, a full throw and, and then obviously getting off the mound. Uh, and then I think the the base, like we try and get a base of fitness. So we make sure they're throwing, um, depending on the time of the year, but for the most part, they're doing some type of throwing. Uh, the thought process with the annual throwing plan of like we really starting to lean towards having kids throw year round is we just change the stress. No matter if you're throwing a football or a baseball or a plyo care ball or you're doing, you know, any type of throwing, that's still stress on our arm. And so if we put the same stress five ounce baseball off a mound in a game over and over and over again. I think that's where we can lead to some of those overuse injuries, quote unquote. But I still think that um, all of these, those injuries and the reason we see it is the capacity that player has throughout the year ebbs and flows. And so as we have kids transition from different sports, different things, um, their capacity for throwing is going to change. And so what we've really moved towards is we want kids throwing year round. So they always have this, this strength base, quote unquote, for throwing. Uh, and then depending on the time of year, we'll ramp it up and gradually on-ramp into either velocity development, game development, obviously competition, um, and then uh, the communication that we'll have uh, between Eric and I, uh, we together can really fill the gaps on, on different players where um, sometimes kids just don't make it to practice. Sometimes kids don't make it to workouts. Uh, we can communicate and say, hey, like that kid right there is three weeks behind or two weeks behind or, you know, he's ready for. And this is, a, I think, a huge asset to the high school coaches in the area. We, we basically told every single coach, um, here are the players who were pitching. Here's how many bullpens they have thrown. Here's how many pitches that they've like they've gotten up to. Um, you know, they're they're this this guy's ready to rock. Like he he can he can put two three four innings right away at the start of the season. Or hey, this guy has been coming off an arm injury and he's he's only ready for you know 20, 30 pitches. Like you really need to ease into uh, into the season with him. Um, so I think the the annual throwing plan and, and having a plan throughout the entire year is, is a big difference that we have uh, at the training center. And we actually make that throwing plan uh, individualized, especially as they get older. So let's say a kid's a little older and it's time for him to get recruited. We're going to be more aggressive with this throwing plan uh, in the summer and the fall to make sure he's getting out there and, and his velo is high and, and he's showing himself well. Uh, a fresh, you know, 140-pound freshman that's throwing 72 miles an hour is going to have a completely different plan than a than a, a junior uh, guy that just got off his junior year that's thrown 85 to 87 that we need to kind of showcase a little bit and push him to those upper 80s to kind of get him uh, to be recruited. So uh, we, we individualize those things um, to a, a little bit more of a granular level, level uh, as opposed to just having an overall plan for everyone. Yeah, I think that leads us right into our next talking point, which is that kind of recruiting process, which um, I think is a great one for us. Uh, obviously, with our ability to have so many connections and 
uh, within our three worlds uh, and blending all those together for the dev program and for the training center in general. Um, so Eric, why don't you kind of take the lead here on what your thinking is with the recruiting process and where we kind of go from there. Yeah, again, it's, it's, I, I hate saying it, but it's, it's another big differentiator. I think most guys uh, that run club ball teams and, and, and go to showcases and stuff, their they're recruiting pitch to families is that we're going to go to this event and there's going to be college coaches there. And then what happens is if the kid's not good enough, if he hasn't developed and he doesn't get recruited, then there's no more plan. Um, we have a plan. And um, you know, I, I, I think the, the number one key to, to the recruiting process with players and families is just to be super honest with them. And uh, sometimes, or a lot of the times, actually, it, it involves uh, us telling them some things they don't want to hear. Um, and uh, the way I the way I word is, I'm going to love you so much. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to blow smoke up 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 in you. And then all of a sudden, it's your senior year, and you're not getting recruited, and you're wondering why. I'm going to tell you why when you're a freshman. You know, uh, if if you want to go to a showcase and you're throwing 78 miles an hour, uh, you shouldn't be going to a showcase. You should be in the weight room with Dan trying to throw 85. Um, and so that's really our, our thought process of this. We, we hit our families with a ton of information at young ages. And we, 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 we tell them how hard it is to advance to the college level. And we give them the numbers as far as the percentages that do advance. And then we tell them, if you're a right-handed pitcher, you better get to this velocity if you want a chance at this level. If you're a hitter, you need to be running this fast or you need to be hitting this hard if you want to get to that level. And so they have this information and families. And, and as they go through the process, um, we're able to kind of just keep referring them to these numbers to motivate them and put the, put things in perspective for them. Um, you know, like you said, there are a lot of college connections that have built, built up over the years uh, through all the various capacities that we've had. And so that's super valuable, especially in times like these where there's a lot of indecision um, with the NCAA and, and stuff like that and, and the MLB draft. You know, We're able to kind of talk directly to these college coaches and get some input from them uh, because they trust us and they like us and they know that we put out a good product and we're honest. Uh, so that's a really valuable part of our recruiting process. Uh, we don't oversell our players either. A lot of coaches get trapped, you know, when they have some pretty good players like we do. You know, they try, they try to oversell them to these colleges, and that might work once. You know, a college might take one of your guys because you oversold him and you told him that this kid's the best player in the world and he does things. But when that player gets on their campus and doesn't do what you said they can do, you'll never be able to, to put another uh, kid at that, at that coach's college. And so, um, you know, a lot of guys in our position burn a lot of bridges because they oversell their guys. Um, I would much rather undersell one of our guys and have him show up on campus and be better than what I told, you know, the, the coach that, uh, that he was. So I think that, and, and what, then that, what happens there is we facilitate relationships. And now we get to the point where we are right now where a lot of colleges want our guys because they know they're, they they're well-coached, they know they're tough, and they know that the, the, what we tell them about the kid is going to be true. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, you know, the, the baseball world's a very small world and, and things get around quick. So, um, I think that that relationship that's been built up over a long time is super important to us. Um, and then the, the, you know, the last big point is that, um, you know, we don't start this process too early. If we have a freshman that is a big time player that's ready to get recruited, we'll put him out there and we'll send him to the right events and, and make sure he's doing those things. Uh, but for the most part, we don't start that process until they're ready. And that could be, again, that could start their freshman year. It could start the, the fall of their senior year. But their focus needs to be always on getting good enough to play at the college level. And once they're good enough, that's when we sit down and we talk. And we, and, we, and we talk about the plan. And we talk about where they need to get better. And we talk about their options. And we keep having these meetings over the course of however many months or years that this process is taking place. And then we gradually start narrowing that focus, you know, based on their GPA, based on their playing ability, based on the family's economic situation, what kind of school they want to go to, all those factors. And 
and we go through this process. And, and I know Dan always gets tripped out when he sees the amount of time I spend with these families because we just sit down in the training center and they just, you know, we talk for an hour and a couple months later, they're right back in there. Or we're talking again. And, and but, you know, if you've seen kind of the, the success we're having placing players at the college level, I think you see that the system really works really well. Yeah, I think to go with that idea, like you said, the relationship building is a huge part of recruiting. Um, that ability to have players be ready to go and be recruited is another area that I think is, is really important for kids to start to understand. And, um, not everyone should be going to every single thing. Uh, there is such a thing as being over-showcased where a lot of coaches, a lot of programs start to see guys uh, too much to the point where they're like, well, now that guy gets moved down my list because we've seen all of the flaws and, and that's a lot of work that we have to put in for somebody like that. 100%. All right. I, so I think the, the – sorry, I don't want to cut, it, cut no, you off the – the part with the, I think the, like everything from a dub standpoint, from my personal experience with other pro, like seeing other programs, whether inside or outside, is definitely above and beyond. And I, I hope other programs are doing what uh, what Eric does and the amount of time that he, he invests into this recruiting process. I think the part that also is just an X factor and why we're seeing so many uh, talented arms and we're going to see it in the next you know two to three years is we don't just say to these players, hey, get good enough. Hey, just get in the weight room. Hey, just do this throwing program. Hey, go do J bands or um, do this. You know, do X. We say here is an individualized strength plan, throwing plan. Like we're going to basically map it out, and the we're going to set it up so that the more time you're in the facility, in the training center with us, the more likely these things happen. And it doesn't guarantee it. It doesn't mean if you just hang out in the training center for three, four hours a day every single day, all of a sudden you're going to be a, an MLB player. But there, there is a plan, and then the plan is held accountable to the numbers it's not held accountable to us saying oh look at you look you got way better or hey over the weekend i i threw three innings i had you know three perfect innings and i struck out every single batter and look i'm a, I'm a d1 pitcher it's like no, no no it's 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 more complicated than that but it's it's if you want to play at this at that level here's the plan you know here's where you're at here's the plan here's the numbers that we need to be held accountable to and, and then let's do it and i think that that helps a ton with the recruiting process where we'll see players who like that person had no business playing college uh baseball and all of a sudden they, they have a shot i think that's another big x factor that we have at the training center yeah that education is really huge for kids to understand uh moving to our last point here we're going to talk about some injury and medical protocols um obviously like we mentioned earlier we have to keep kids healthy so um how do we feel like we go about this in a way that's unique and, and different than everyone else I think the, the the probably most unique is we start with the question like, what well, have you been hurt? Where does your arm get sore? When you when you pitch, where does it typically hurt? Uh, and then what do you normally do uh, after? And then I, I think we start there. We and we make it comfortable for the athlete to come to us. And now like it didn't happen right at the start. It, when you know there was plenty of times there's levels of miscommunication between my, myself and Eric and vice versa. But now it's almost to the point where, like, and I've not really seen this anywhere else, where a player will go to Eric and say, oh, my, my elbow's kind of bugging me. And, and then that turns into a conversation where Eric and I will hop on a call or there'll be some text sent or email sent. And then and then a plan is put into place to get that person into the gym as soon as possible and then also get them in front of the professionals as fast as possible where the kind of the first line of defense is, is the coach, the second line of defense is, is the strength coach, and then once it's beyond our expertise, we refer out to – to anybody and everybody and, and the best, uh, you know, doctors, PTs, orthos in the area that um, that know what they're doing with with pitchers and, and understands um, that. So I think I think the communication and, and the, the injury uh, approach that we take uh, is is 
uh, that's probably the biggest difference is we talk about it. <laughs> a lot of times players don't talk about how they feel and what hurts and, and what, what's not, what doesn't feel right. Um, I think that's probably the biggest place to start. And I think the way we're really different with that is a lot of the higher level players in this area that aren't in our program, their strength coach is a different person in a different building as their skill coach and their field coach. Um, and, and so there's no feed, there's no communication loop going on. So when, when one of our guys is banged up, um, and we send him over to Dan and Dan gives him some corrective exercises, he's also going to give me some modifications to what he's doing on the field and, or, or I need to implement a different warm up protocol with them on the field before their game or before their appearance or in the bullpen or something like that. And so, you know, there's this, this again, a cohesive system where, we can attack every area instantly and it's all under one roof. It's not, it's not, you know, it's the player isn't being passed to three different buildings and, and three different facilities and three different mindsets. This is one mindset under one roof that the players kind of live under. And, and it's very normal for our guys. And, and, but I don't think it's normal for most kids in this area that, that are, that are kind of, you know, it's almost like they wander around a little lost trying to find the right answer and everyone has their opinion. Um, the other big thing, and, and Dan touched on, is that the the doctors we refer our pitchers out to when they do have a serious uh, arm injury or an arm issue, they're the best, and and they're they're specific to throwers, and and this is something that is always kind of a tough conversation to have with parents because they're going like, oh, we're going to go see our doctor, and and you know a general physician or a pediatrician, and not to say they're not great doctors or they're not qualified, they don't understand the you know the, the stresses and and the and the um, you know what a thrower goes through. It's it's a a, th a throwing injuries are very, very specific to the baseball and softball community, uh, and a, not a lot of doctors have experience with them. So, um, you know, the doctors we refer out to are awesome, and they understand throwers. And you know, most general general physicians are just going to kind of uh, look at a, a pitcher that ha is having an arm injury. They're going to tell them, "Hey, take three three weeks off. You know, do a little ice, do a little ibuprofen, and then come back if it's still bothering you." But when we refer a guy out to some of the best, you know, some of the good doctors that we have in our area that are throwing specialists, we're able to get a very specific diagnosis right away because that person has a lot of experience with the uh, throwers. Yeah. yeah, I think it goes the, uh, the idea of being general versus specific. Um, obviously, we are, we're talking about a specific type of a situation. We want to have somebody who's got specific knowledge about that situation. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I'd say the the... Other, I think, big factors we we don't just say like what are, like the almost ninety seven percent of times we get oh four to six weeks off rest, and it's really over over time. Eric and I we've gotten to the point where rest isn't the best option. Like going home and sitting and playing video games <laughs> instead of like being in the gym doing something, whether that's getting stronger or taking care of your arm or working on your mechanics, whatever it may be. Like just doing nothing is not not your best option when it comes to uh, taking care of an injury issue. And I, I think the cohesiveness of us all being in the same facility is it's when it comes to injuries, if they were as simple as just one, one stop, you know, fix it with one thing, then nobody would get hurt. And so we are able to take into account, okay, uh, what's the age? Uh, one of the ones we're running into right now is your seventh and eighth graders. Uh, little league elbow is, is like huge and prevalent. It's almost like a, a rite of passage for kids who throw really hard at young ages. Um, we, we've started to, to screen for that. Like if, if you're in seventh and eighth grade, we start asking, how does your elbow feel? Because in all reality, if you throw pretty hard and you're one of the better pitchers, you're going to be used more and you're probably going to play shortstop or center field, you're going to have more stress on your arm. And so catching those things early is, is really important. Um, maybe it's a workload issue. Uh, one of the parts that I really respect, uh, with, with Eric, uh, and what he's done with dub is 
guys uh, initially when when I first started, there, there were protocols for pitchers that made it so that you would lose games. Like I've, I've coached for a season with Eric, and there were plenty of games where, oh, that guy got to the workload that he's ready for, and um, I'm not going to throw him anymore, and we we would lose games. Uh, and I think I, I respect him from that standpoint because. You know, when I was playing, when I was younger, and we all went through this, there was times where you would just keep playing because you needed to win. And I think that's another big piece. One of the new, more more recent ones is, you know, guys don't throw on back-to-back days. And with, you know, especially with the younger teams, it's almost impossible to to run a youth team and not have pitchers throw on back-to-back days. And basically, but we're going to lose on Sundays most likely. Like if we if we're not efficient and throw strikes and get after guys uh, on Saturday, like then the team as a whole is going to lose. So some of those on-field modification thing is super important to manage workloads. Um, I think mechanics, uh, is, we talk about that a lot, but a lot of that's rooted in movement and strength. And so having that as the foundation and then also Eric and I having a very similar philosophy uh, on that uh, also enables us to make changes for, for athletes pretty quickly where if they do have an issue that is uh, mechanically related and it's most likely a lack of strength or control or movement, we can attack that versus, hey, here, just try this one drill and it's going to fix your throwing mechanics. We're not only going to just attack the throwing drills that you're doing, we're also going to uh, improve the strength. We're also going to improve your movement and you're going to hear it from so many coaches. It's not just for one hour uh, on, a, on a Friday night and I'm doing my bullpen session and I'm going to work on this one thing. Um, so I think I think those are some of the, the big areas that are, are definitely different from a, a way that we approach managing injuries because it's always going to be something we're going to manage. There's always going to be guys that are going to get hurt. Uh, we're never going to be able to say, oh, every single player that goes through the system is 100% guaranteed to never get injured. It's just it's not it's not how baseball works. It's not how the human body works. Um, it's just it's more complicated than that. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I really appreciate the, the, the efforts that you guys put into this because it is a long-term focus. It's not about trying to uh, win the 12U tournament, win the 14U tournament. It's about trying to get these kids to be at their peak when they're ready to go to get to that college level, um, like we were mentioning earlier in this in this podcast. Um, so as we're finishing up here, is there anything else that we guys want to cover before we end up uh, finishing up today's coverage? No, I think we're good. I th- and I just hit on your last point. It's it's a it's a joke I always make, but it's not really a joke. Um, you know, when I'm talking to college coaches about our older players that are ready to get recruited, um, you know, I've been doing this for 17 years and, and been on all sides of this conversation. I've never been asked by a college coach, hey, what was their uh, 14U record? You know, no one cares. Um, winning is fun and we like and we're all competitive people. and We like to do those things. But the only thing that truly matters in this process is developing and staying healthy and being good enough when you're older. It's, that's, that, it's, that's it. That's the end game. And it really it's the only thing that matters. And, and um, you know, we, we try to, to have that mindset. Uh, in our program and in the training center that the only thing that matters is your development. And if you, if you constantly develop and you're healthy, you're going to get to a good spot eventually. Yeah, that's a great point to finish, I think. And uh, so that's going to bring the end of week two's uh, episodes of Talking Points to the Training Center. Until uh, next time, keep developing. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dub Baseball, at ID3Training, and at Ozella Baseball. Thanks for joining us on the Talking Points Podcast. Until next time, keep developing.